everyone and welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy Jason. The box is gone and we have some football to talk about today. I'm joined with a very, very, very special guest who I'll introduce in just a minute. We'll be hearing some of their takeaways from the season so far. We'll be talking buy sells. We'll be talking Nick Chubb and we'll be talking bad quarterbacks. All that and more on this morning's episode of Wake and Take. So let's sit back, relax, sip our coffee, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, today I am joined by my friend, the commissioner of one of my favorite fantasy football leagues, the man who doesn't take L's very often, if at all, Dynasty Zoltan FF on Twitter, and Mike Garai in real life. Mike, how you doing? Yes, sir. Happy to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Doing pretty well. I'll just pump that real football is back. Really excited to actually see some football back. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's, you know, we had the college football before the NFL, but it just doesn't hit the same. It just doesn't. And so we have two weeks of football now to talk about. But first, I kind of want to get your thoughts on probably the biggest storyline of this season so far. And that's Nick Chubb, who unfortunately suffered a really gruesome injury on Monday Night Football, uh, basically shattered his knee, a knee that had already been reconstructed in college. It does not look good. In this situation, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, from a dynasty perspective, Nick Chubb is is basically dead to me, unfortunately. Um, it's similar to J.K. Dobbins, a little bit of a different situation because Nick Chubb is obviously very good. And, and, well, I liked a lot of what we saw from Dobbins. You can't say that necessarily for him, but this is looking like a terrible injury, likely going to be two surgeries for Nick Chubb immediately reminded me of the Gordon Hayward injury as soon as it happened, uh, where you just know it. this guy's not going to be seen for at least a year. Assuming he's not back till full strength until 2025, that means he's going to be 29 going on 30 at that point, again, coming off a major knee reconstruction. It's a type of thing where I'm okay buying him in Dynasty if you're beginning a long rebuild because you can get points off your team, but I'm not paying more than a third round pick, right? Like if you, if you can, if you need to shed a guy like Jamal Williams or like Michael Thomas and maybe try to get an extra pick back, then I would do something like that. But otherwise I'm not paying a lot in dynasty really though. It just sucks because Nick Chubb, probably the best running back of, of the generation since Adrian Peterson is, is how I would put it, you know, top three most efficient running back of all time just really sucks to lose him, especially because it looked like he was going to get a little bit more of the receiving work this year. Yeah, definitely. It is a very tough break for not only one of the better football players in the league, but also just one of the better dudes. I mean, he's loved in yeah. that locker room, loved by teammates, you know, and so it, it really does suck to see. And I'm with you. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to be fantasy relevant again. Can he maybe be a guy like Adrian Peterson at the end of his career, hopping between teams, being maybe an end of season playoff roster person that you've picked up just to get you, you know, 12 points, maybe. 
but I cannot imagine him ever getting back to the workload he had. Uh, and it just sucks, man. It really does suck. I think you valued it about right. I would say, you know, you might be able to do a second round pick, maybe depending on your team, depending on your league's IR settings. Uh, it looks like I disappeared. Uh, but uh, ultimately, it seems over. It really does seem over for Nick Chubb. Just really quickly, do you think the Browns are bringing in a Kareem Hunt, a Cam Akers, or are they rolling with the Ford? Um, Both. So I, I do think they'll potentially bring in Kareem Hunt. But but listen, there's a reason that, that 32 top teams did not sign Kareem Hunt this offseason, foremost yeah. of whom are the Cleveland Browns, who obviously know Kareem Hunt quite well. Um, I don't think he would have been that expensive, but I mean, we saw what guys like Dalvin Cook were asking for. Kareem Hunt was never in those types of conversations. Jerome Ford is the guy. He's got more juice than Kareem Hunt. Uh, he looked really good last week. He's at least going to get the first opportunity, and he has a really interesting skill set. So there, there has to be some second running back playing, and it's not going to be Pierre Strong. So I do think that they're going to bring someone in, but Jerome Ford is probably better than Cam Akers at this point. He's definitely better than Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette at this point. I, I think it's Jerome Ford's job to lose. And if you just lost Nick Chubb, if, if you lost J.K. Dobbins, um, if you're looking to to find a fill-in or maybe Saquon Barkley, I, I think Jerome Ford's a great guy to target. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's a little too late for most leagues, but do you have a fab recommendation for the Ford? Um, or uh, are you maybe just hoping that you already had him or possibly trying to trade him? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, in, in dynasty league, Jerome Ford is, you know, he's owned, you know, he, even yeah. before the season, he was, you know, a 17th round startup pick. And on most teams, there are, you know, you have more than 17 roster spots in a dynasty league. Um, so on, on my week two waiver wire column for, for dynasty or week three, I, I said a hundred fab if he's available, but unlikely he's available. Uh, redraft, I would also do a hundred fab. I mean, yeah, people overrate just how much value they're going to get out of their fab over the course of a season. Um, in a deep dynasty league, it's equivalent to the value of about a late third round pick I've found. Um, in a redraft league, basically, if you can get five or six starts uh, out of a player, that is worth 100% of your fab. And typically, it's actually better to use it all in one burst rather than spending seven bucks on Kendrick Bourne and then, you know, six bucks on Tony Jones, right? Like yeah. just use it all. If it busts, so be it. But if you can get a high-end RB2, that is well worth it. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. I was recommending I was recommending 95%, but that's more because I'm a tinkerer. I like to at least have a yeah. little bit of fab left, but you can't go wrong with 100%. I mean, he looked fantastic against a very good Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And he's getting pass catching work, and it looks like a, a workhorse volume in, in terms of just the carry department. So, yeah, yeah. I'm with you there on Jerome Ford. I, I would say, as far as that 95%, first of all, if if you can't make $0 bids, then I see your rationale for making it 95 instead of 100, right? You, you don't want to be locked into not being able to pick up a guy. But realistically, bidding 95% is probably the same as bidding 0%. Um, because someone in your league is probably bidding 100. Uh, I, I don't know if. If you saw that, you probably had all of your waiver wire runs already. Did you yeah. see him going for 100 or was he going for less? Uh, he was actually not available in any of my leagues. Fair, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which which to me tells me that he 
would be going for a hundred if he was, but yeah I, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, definitely. All right. So before we move on, uh, our guy Reese from the three caballeros in the animal kingdom wants to know, is it safe to buy Chubb or are you just all together out? Um, I mean, it's safe in that he can't go down at this point. Like he, we know he's not worth a lot right now. So you're not paying a whole lot, but no, I, I would not expect him to be a contributor until at least 2025. Um, it's the type of asset I like to buy, but this is not like buying Kyler Murray. It's not like buying Calvin Ridley where you automatically know the bounce back is coming. Um, I, I I do think there will be another time where Nick Chubb's worth the second round pick. So if you can get him for less than that and you're okay sitting on that value for two years, I don't mind it at all, but um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't expect anything for the next two years. Yeah, I think I'm with you too. It's going to take some some serious, serious time. All right, so this next segment I've kind of designed just for you because I follow you on Twitter. And if you guys don't, go to Dynasty Zoltan FF on Twitter. Great, great content over there. You've been doing a great job navigating markets, but specifically you've been talking about quarterbacks a lot recently. So I'm going to put you on the platform here. Is Deshaun Watson bad at football? Yeah. Yeah. I do think he's bad at football. Um, and it's really unfortunate because he's a guy who I was buying, uh, all this off season, but he has been absolutely terrible since he's gone to Cleveland. Um, he's had one game of more than two touchdowns. He's had two games of more than 220 yards. Um, he's been a bottom tier quarterback. I mean, I, I saw a comparison yesterday comparing Deshaun Watson to Davis Mills last eight games. Uh, Davis Mills was better. Uh, Deshaun Watson doesn't look mobile. Even he's picking up, you know, 20, 25 rushing yards a game, which which is okay for uh, for fantasy. But it's not like he's actually doing any designed runs. He's not making anyone miss. It's it's really just when there is man coverage and someone's going deep and he gets 15 free yards, basically. Um, it, it doesn't look good. Doesn't look good for Deshaun Watson at all. And it's kind of an unprecedented circumstance where a player missed basically two full seasons uh, for no reason, uh, for no injury reason, let's say. And yeah. the issue with Watson is that, um, like, it, it's the same reason why I was a little bit lower on Calvin Ridley than other people going into this year, because he took a lot of time off football. We don't know where his mental state was at, but as soon as Calvin Ridley showed week one that he was Calvin Ridley, I pushed him all the way back up because that's where he should be. If Deshaun right. Watson came out, like the last six games of last year, I was willing to give him a, another chance this year, but he's been bad and they haven't been that difficult of matchups. He has pretty good offensive weapons. He's a very good offensive coordinator. I, I, I am, I'm cautiously selling Deshaun Watson at this point. I know it's kind of against my ethos to sell low, but I I'm worried that Deshaun Watson's just going to continue to fall and, I mean, the good thing is he has this $250 million guaranteed contract, so he's going to be starting for a little while, and and maybe yeah. he finds some form again, but I'm definitely moving him, you know, below Tua, uh, below C.J. Stroud. Um, I already had him below Kyler and Anthony Richardson. He, he's probably down in, you know, the QB 14-15 range for me in Dynasty. Yeah, I... I- I think that's totally fair. And I mean, I could see it continue to slip if he doesn't get it right. So it's, um, it's a really tough situation to watch. 
hope he can bounce back. He was fun to watch when he was good at football. And I guess we're we're going to continue to find out if it was Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins or if it was Deshaun Watson. Because, I mean, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Donovan Peoples-Jones are nowhere near the wide receivers he had in Houston. So it, we'll see. We'll see, man. Let's ask another one. Let's ask another one here. Is Zach Wilson? Yeah, it's, it's also just a very different system that they're – yeah, go ahead. Go back to the Oh, show. sorry. Go back my, to the my bad. I was just <laughs> going to say it's a very different system. Yeah, it's a very different system that they're running uh, in Cleveland compared to Houston. Houston, it was very much basically first read and then run. Uh, he was always playing out of the shotgun. In Cleveland, it's a lot of play action. Um, you think he would be uh, happy being under center given all the butts he'd be getting to touch every snap, but for some reason it's just not vibing with his play style. So I, I, I don't know what we expect to see from Deshaun Watson, um, but I, I don't think it's a good fit at that point. No, I mean, we'll see if they change their their kind of philosophy without Nick Chubb. If they just decide yeah. to run four wide and just let Deshaun loose, we could see, you know, a little bit of a bounce back. But given the way that the Browns have been playing with this coaching staff, that's likely not going to happen. Let's move on to New York, because I honestly think Zach Wilson is not as bad as he has been. He's still probably pretty bad, He's but he showed a little bit of life this week to me. So I'm curious... Do you have any like interesting thoughts on Zach Wilson? Uh, I think you just said an interesting thought. I I don't see anything positive from Zach Wilson's first two weeks. I mean, he's got he's got four interceptions. He has a fifty four percent completion rate. Um, he has played Buffalo and Dallas, especially Buffalo, playing when he didn't expect to. I'm not going to judge him based on that. Yeah. Dallas is one of the best defenses in the NFL, probably the best pass rush in the NFL. And the uh, Jets' offensive line is obviously not good. I'm willing to give Zach Wilson a few weeks, but nothing in his career has showed me that he's not terrible. So at this point, I'm kind of just going to assume that he's pretty terrible. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I feel like Zach Wilson is so cheap, and everyone hates him so much. I don't, we'll see. We'll we'll definitely see with him. And then finally. This is actually one of my buy candidates right now on the Trade God Show, which you have guested on. Yeah, Justin Fields is he bad at football? Justin Fields is a really interesting one because I I always say I don't hate players, I hate prices, and I've hated the price on Justin Fields all off season as a top ten dynasty startup pick. I don't want to take a guy in the first round who I don't know is going to be at least a starter for my fantasy team for the next five years. And every other player in the first round, I could say that about except for Justin Fields. So I ended up selling a ton of him this offseason. I'm going to end up buying a ton of him now because the ceiling is so, so much higher um, than most other quarterbacks in the range he's going. I mean, he's valued below CJ Stroud at this point. Um, He's valued similar to Jordan Love at this point, who we also don't know if if he's good at football, has only thrown for 300 yards this season. The the Jordan Love stuff is crazy. I I think we'll talk about that a little later. But um, yeah, I I think Justin Fields is probably not a good NFL quarterback. But that being said, he is not in a good situation. It's only week two. I'm going to give Justin Fields a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. He's only had two designed runs for him this season when they were averaging three and a half last season, they got to get him moving a little bit more. They're doing this thing with fields where 
they're asking him to check down and that's just not who Justin Fields is. And that's okay. Like he should be making better decisions with the football. I get that, but Trevor Lawrence doesn't check down ever. And no one seems to have a problem with that. Every quarterback is different and we're seeing fields just second guess himself constantly now where we, we all saw the highlight clip of him just sitting in a wide open pocket for 10 seconds and then taking the sack. That's a guy who doesn't have confidence, doesn't understand the offensive scheme, and doesn't know what his coaches are asking of him. I'm still buying Justin Fields, especially at this reduced cost, because he still holds, at this point, he holds higher upside than anyone in his value range, um, I guess tied with Kyler Murray, given that Kyler is going, you know, is currently valued way too low as well. How about you? What do you think about Fields? Yeah, I mean, I I just, I, you look at last year, right? Justin Fields started the year off, honestly worse than he did last year last year's first two games 191 pass yards and two passing touchdowns 48 rush yards and one rushing touchdown only scored 23 points over the first two weeks this year he's doubled the pass yards he's sitting at 427 he still has two tds he has more rush yards with 62 has a rushing touchdown the issue is he has three interceptions which is one more than he had last year but still, he scored about 10 more points these first two weeks than he did last year. So I think if he overcame that slow start last year and still finished as the QB6, he could do it again. It's a really good value to me. Like like you said, the upside is there. He's never going to be Jalen Hurts. You don't have to be Jalen Hurts to be good for fantasy football. And so, uh, yeah, I'm in on Justin Fields. I'm with you for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and the whole – it was too easy for everyone to say – Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Justin Fields, D.J. Moore. Like, that's just not how football works. You just can't, just because they they look like similar athletes doesn't mean you can just make that comparison. Um, Justin Fields was bad at throwing last year. He had 21 turnover-worthy plays last season and only 13 big-time throws. He's not a very good thrower of the ball. For some reason, I mean, I know his tape at Ohio State was a lot better than his pro tape's been, but he just hasn't been that player in the NFL. So I, I'm not going to count on him being an incredible thrower, but I think he's going to put up massive fantasy points as long as he's a starter. And I still think it's a good chance he's a starter somewhere next year. Hopefully not Chicago. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think he could turn it around and stay in Chicago too. But I mean, like we see with the NFL, it is extremely hard to predict where players can be at any yeah. given time. Um, I mean, I think a silver lining here is that DJ Moore had over 100 receiving yards last week. And I don't know if any receivers had that last year for the Chicago Bears. So I would just relax, guys. I would relax. Don't go to the streets clamoring to sell Justin Fields. Hold him if you have him. And maybe buy him if he becomes available for a reasonable price. Because that ceiling is still there. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on. We had a great conversation here about the quarterbacks but as you're a guest you know these the audience has been able to hear my takeaways week in week out now since the football season has started i had jack cavanaugh on this week he gave me some takeaways mike i want to hear some of your takeaways from this football season so far yeah so i mean one of my really unfortunate takeaways so far from the season is that i think kyle pitts the dream is dead for this season I don't think the dream is dead permanently. Um, I still think he's an incredibly talented football player, but I don't think we're going to see any production this season. He's only had more than three catches in two games of his last 13 games. He's only gone over 40 yards in two of those games as well. I mean, we compare that. I know rookie tight ends don't produce, 
Dalton Kincaid's had four or more catches in both of his opening games. So has Sam Laporta. Luke Musgrave's had more targets than Kyle Pitts has. They're treating Kyle Pitts like he's a rookie tight end, like he didn't have a 1,000-yard season and hasn't already proven he is a generational talent and a very good football player. Jonu Smith had more targets last week, ran the same amount of routes. I am worried about Kyle Pitts for this season. And, and the problem is, is that the Falcons keep winning. And as long as Arthur Smith is there, I'm not going to trust Kyle Pitts to drive his Ferrari as anything more than a Honda Civic. So <laughs> I'm I'm buying in Dynasty just because it's, it's how I play. I'm always going to buy undervalued talent, but I, I, I'm getting a little concerned. It's, it's hard to deny Kyle Pitts' lack of production recently. Yeah, I mean, he was one of my bigger buys this offseason. I'm I'm not jumping off the ship yet, but I think it is reasonable to do so. I just, he's going to have games. He just will. And right now, what I'm seeing with this Falcons offense is it doesn't matter who it goes to. It's really just going to the open man. And yeah. he has been getting open. And the beautiful thing about the tight end position in fantasy is that not many have a ceiling like Kyle Pitts. And so it just takes him two, three, 30, 25 point games to be right back up there in the top three conversation, maybe even the number one conversation. And I can see that happening with the Falcon schedule. I mean, they've got the Lions next week. They've got the Jaguars over that. They'll still play the Buccaneers twice. So I don't know. I think there's going to be better days ahead for Kyle Pitts. If you can still get him for a reasonable price on doing it. The big problem here is you're never going to be able to predict it. And so when you have a tight end with such a rock solid floor and yet also a sky high ceiling, it's going to be very, very frustrating week in, week out. So it, it's definitely a tough one, but you have walked into the Falcon show, so I can't fade Kyle Pitts yet. Yeah. And, yeah. and all of the, I mean, even the stable tight ends like Pat Fryermuth and Dallas Goddard haven't been good this season. George Kittle has been terrible this season. It's really, at this point, from a production perspective, it's just Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and TJ Hawkinson are the only guys you can count on. That second tier of tight end, like David Njoku, like Fryermuth, we got the Greg Dulcich injury, Akonkwo hasn't done anything yet. It's yeah. it's just been a difficult season so far from tight ends, even though at least three of the rookie tight ends have looked very good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I like that takeaway. I like that takeaway for sure. Do you have another one for us? Yeah, my other takeaway is um, we saw a bunch of running backs go off the board in the late second round of rookie drafts, or really in the second round of rookie drafts. We saw Kendra Miller, Zach Charbonnet, Tank Bigsby, Tajay Spears, and Roshan Johnson. And it was always interesting to me the order in which those guys came off the board, right? Zach Charbonnet and Tank Bigsby – uh, Zach Charbonnet and Kendra Miller were usually first. Kendra Miller's been a little injured. Maybe he gets a chance this week with Jamal Williams out. Um, and then Charbonnet and Bigsby were usually coming off because there was an assumption that Charbonnet and Bigsby would take a large amount of the workload from Etienne and Walker. And that just hasn't been the case this season. And, and Etienne and Walker have been in my top seven of my dynasty rankings all off season. I had them above Saquon Barkley. A lot of people thought that was pretty much insane. But they've held up this bell cow role, and they've looked awesome. We've seen Kenneth Walker still get 63% of the snaps and 75% of the rush attempts. And Zach Charbonnet has barely seen the Ooh. field. 
we have seen uh, Travis Etienne get 76% of the snaps, 69% of the rush attempts, and 68% of the routes. These are true bell cow backs. They're incredibly talented. They are in good offenses. And the guy I want to highlight who is no longer a bell cow is Derrick Henry. And this is one that I am shocked at because I thought Tajay Spears would work his way in a little bit, but really not until next season. Tajay Spears has had 45% of the snaps this season. He has ran more routes than Derrick Henry. He is not only their third. I mean, he has played 91% of the long down and distance snaps compared to Derrick Henry. He is their third down back. He's also getting worked in on first and second down. By the way, all these utilization reports are courtesy of Fantasy Life. They have an awesome tool up there. Go check it out. And really, Spears is potentially a breakout running back. Whether or not Derrick Henry gets hurt or gets traded or leaves the Titans after this season, Spears looks incredible, and I am buying high on him in Dynasty for sure because he is the type of player who can take over a backfield, and we know he has that burst in him. Yeah, I mean, you look at the film for Tajay Spears, his college film, and I know he's a running back, but he looks like Kadarius Tony when Kadarius Tony is healthy. He makes insane yeah. jump cuts, is extremely elusive, good catching the ball, good out of the backfield, a gadgety player. And so on an offense like the Titans with an interesting scheme, I, I think that there's a very fun, you know, a potential ceiling for him in, in terms of his usage. And yeah, I, I think you're you're spot on with him being a buy high because even that buy high price for him isn't that much. I mean, you could probably still get him for a second, which is what he went for, you know, in, in rookie drafts this year. So I, I'm I'm with you there, a hundred percent. Do you have one more takeaway, or you do want to move on to buys and sells? Uh, I mean, I know some of these takeaways kind of have been buys and sells, but my takeaway is that people don't understand what type of usage is actually, uh, replicable over time. And and this is referring to Zay Flowers. I, I, it's nice that he is getting manufactured touches. He has 15 targets over his first two weeks. That's, that's solid, right? It's, he's doing, he's looking better than JSN than uh, Jordan Addison than Quentin Johnston. That's all all well and good. The problem is nine of these targets have been behind the line of scrimmage. And in a PPR league, those are very valuable for now, but they have not been very effective. Those targets have only averaged four and a half yards a target. And he's simply not going to keep getting five targets, five screen passes a game, basically. And if yeah. he does, the Ravens are quite honestly not going to be very good because that's not an efficient offense. I... I was worried that Zay Flowers coming into the league would just be a gadget player. You mentioned Kadarius Tony earlier. My comp for him was Kadarius Tony with his head screwed on, which can be a good player, but I still don't see Zay Flowers being a wide receiver one that's going to command a high target share. And nothing we've seen to this point has shown me that I'm wrong. If anything, I think I'm right, and people are just not interpreting the data correctly. No, I'm with you. A hundred percent. I had him, I was selling him after week one and it, I mean, it happened. The reasoning was he's not going to get that to the 10 targets again. Mark Andrews is returning yeah. and Odell Beckham was locked up by Derek Stingley. So yeah. Zay Flowers was the guy there. So yeah, I mean, it's, I think he'll have good games. I think he'll be consistent, but I honestly don't see that high of a ceiling, even with injuries to be completely honest. Like it's just, I, like it, he's, he's going to be good. He's good at football. And that's sometimes that's all there is to it. 
then you know, there's nothing else you need to say besides he's good at football and there's probably better options out there. The wide receiver position has so much upside and value all the way down yeah. the line. And so if you can flip him for a good draft pick, maybe a cheaper wide receiver with some upside that you like, I mean, shoot, you could probably go get tank Dell in a second, maybe tank Dell in a first if you're feeling spicy. And so that I just, it's, it's, yeah. It's I, I mean, you can get Drake London, you can get Quentin Johnston that there's a lot in, if it, it, Zay Flowers just isn't going to give you ridiculous upside where you can't go get Jacoby Myers, have him give you similar production while you use the rest of Zay Flowers' value to try to chase him upside, which is generally what I would like to do. Get get cheap production and get expensive upside, and, and Zay Flowers isn't giving you either of those things. No, 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 he's not. No, he's not. So I like that a lot. I'm just going to go ahead. Give me a, like your buy, the buy. Uh, I mean, it's always been Kyler Murray, but uh, my buy right now is going to be Christian Watson. Um, okay. I love that. Huge fan of Christian Watson. And it's a classic example of what have you done for me lately, where he obviously missed these first two weeks. Um, people are upset about that, right? They drafted him in redraft in the seventh round and dynasty in the fifth round. They expected to see him in their starting lineups, and he hasn't been there. The thing is, I mean, I am a little bit worried about the hamstring injury because this is a recurrence of a previous issue, but you got to yeah. buy the dip based on this injury because nothing else has changed in Green Bay. I mean, if anything, we've seen uh, Jordan Love look at least mediocre, at least capable, yeah. which is a huge boost for Christian Watson. That was my number one concern about him. And we know what Christian Watson was last season. He was a top 12 wide receiver over the second half of the season. He was arguably a top five receiver from weeks 10 to 17. He was third in yards per route run. He was 10th in target rate. He was 12th in PFF grade. He had five plus targets in every game. He is not the inconsistent boomer bust wide receiver. He's being made out to be the yeah. touchdown luck might've pushed him from 15th to 10th, but he is still a really, really good wide receiver who is going to take over this offense once he sees the field. Yeah, with you 100%. Jaden Reed is good, and Romeo Dubs has proven to be good. Christian Watson is great. Yes. <laughs> He's just so, 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 so good. And we saw it last year, even with the limited sample size, it was like a half with Jordan Love, and it was like nine receptions, 100 yards, and I think a touchdown even. Yeah, so yep. it's, I mean, like, Go get Christian Watson. I'm with you 100%. He's and, and if we compare him to Zay Flowers, Christian Watson's going to get those same manufactured touches, but he's also going to get targeted down the field. I have Christian Watson easily over the likes of Zay Flowers, and, and I know that the market has that switched. I also have Christian Watson over Puka Nakua, and I know the market has that switched at this point as well. So Christian Watson's a guy that I'm definitely buying. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I always hate saying this, but it's just how I have it in my head. I have Christian Watson in the T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf tier. I just, I, I love him. I knew, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 fine. I, I have, I have T. Higgins a little bit higher. Um, but in my in my last rankings, and I'm doing another update this week for my patrons. In my last rankings, I had Christian Watson two spots below D.K. Metcalf. So I am not far off from you at all. Um, I got no problem with that. 
I, I had Christian Watson uh, at the top of like the Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston tier. I think that went from 16 to 18 or 17 to 19, something like that. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. So guys, go get your Christian Watson. We actually have a question about Christian Watson in the chat. Justin wants to know, sell DeAndre Hopkins for Christian Watson. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I would happily add any second round pick to make that happen as well. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's just, yeah, that's, that's a really good one. That's trading in your Honda civic for a Lamborghini to, to call it back to the earlier in the show. Yeah. Or, or, or it's trading your 1982, uh, you know, Lamborghini for a 2021 version. You, you might as well yeah. upgrade. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, DeAndre Hopkins stole the Lamborghini. Yeah, <laughs> don't call him a hot Pacific. That, that'd be rude. <laughs> Sorry, DeAndre Hopkins. Please don't come at me. All right, Mike, hit us with your sell. Um, you know, I, I already mentioned a few of my cells being, you know, Zay Flowers, but my number one sell has to be Jordan Love. I do not understand all of this Jordan Love hype. Um he's looked good. And, you know, I've had some people say he has locked in his job. He's a hundred percent, a long-term starter. Can we take a step back? Jordan Love has a 55% completion percentage. He is not going to have an 11% touchdown rate for the rest of the season, which is basically three times the NFL average. He still has only made one big time throw. I thought he has looked competent running this offense, but he has 396 yards. Eight, six of those were Aaron Jones on screen passes after the catch. Like, let's just take a step back, recognize that Jordan Love has been has been good. Maybe that's better than we thought he'd be, but he was already being priced as if he was probably good. And I don't understand why he's going, why he's moving up to fourth round startup value. He still has no upside. He still has no rushing ceiling. He still has no job security if we if you actually think about it, right? They lost this last game. They could go six and eleven. Jordan Love is due a big contract. I I just I, I know he got that short extension, but they don't have much committed to him. Um, I just don't really see it with Jordan Love and you know, 35 rushing yards over two games. He's not gonna be a big threat there either. Yeah, I it might have been your poll on Twitter, but I saw Jordan Love being like voted for over Justin Fields. I don't know if it was yours, yep. but I saw that it. was mine. Yep. Yeah. And that's, you know, like I, I would definitely trade Jordan Love for Justin Fields plus. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's it's bananas. I, I don't get it at all. I will say that I don't know how actionable that is. So I, I I'm getting off all of my Jordan Love shares as soon as possible. Um, I have seven Jordan Love shares, which may sound like a lot, but I'm in way too many leagues. So it's actually uh, not a lot, but um, I sent all of them for Justin Fields. I got rejected out of hand from all of them. Um, I added basically two third round picks to those deals and I got rejected for all of them as well. So I think in actual, I mean, there's, there is a gap between what people click on Twitter and when you're hitting that accept button in real life. But yeah, I, I, I'm out on Jordan Love for sure. Yeah. I, I think that that's fair. I mean, I think, you know, I still want to get a good return for him, which I know that you're saying mm -hmm. as well. Um, and I don't think, unless you already are good at quarterback, that uh, I want to take him for a skill player. I might tear down and try to get something else. Is there a quarterback that you would tear down Jordan Love to? Yeah, I mean, when I look at, I think youth is very overrated at the quarterback position when it's not tied to upside. Um, and I don't think Jordan Love has that upside. So if I can tear down 
to a veteran who's going to give me more points now, more job security, and get a plus on top. So I'm talking about Kirk Cousins. I'm talking about Geno Smith. Um, even a guy like Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, all of these guys, you can get a significant plus on top from making that tier down. Uh, Brock Purdy is also a guy I'm targeting who I think is just a better player and a better offense than Jordan Love. Um, but my my main two targets, if I'm contending, is trading Jordan Love for Geno Smith or Kirk Cousins and a second. I like that. Both of those are good. And I mean, probably both of those guys will finish the season above Jordan Love. In terms Definitely. Of so yeah, absolutely. I mean, at a minimum, they're going to throw the ball forty percent more than Jordan Love, and you know, volume matters. So I, that's important. All right, man. Thank you for all of your insight. Let's answer a couple questions, then I'll get you out of here. This one is just interesting because I think it's actually a conversation now, and it never has been. Nico Collins over T Higgins until we see Joe Burrow actually look good. Dude, I, I, this is a hilarious question because my buddy literally texted me this morning for Redraft League this exact question. I'm as big of a Nico fan as they come. Pumped to see his breakout. I'm excited about this question because I haven't talked about him yet. Uh, if Joe Burrow's out, Nico Collins over T. Higgins, no doubt. If Joe Burrow's healthy, I'm not benching T. Higgins. I mean, he had eight for 89 and two last week. He had eight targets and 151 air yards in week one. Nico Collins is also top five in air yards this season. So try to find a way to start both. Uh, but I'm still starting T as long as Burrow's playing, even even with uh, the injury there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to sit T. It's hard to sit any Bengals, to be honest, especially if Joe Burrow is playing. But Nico Collins, man, has been one of the biggest real. I mean, like, I love Nico Collins. I do. I Me mean, too. You and I both were Michigan fans. Yeah. I could not have predicted this good, especially this early. So um, congratulations to those of you who have been sticking through. Um, one final question. This is from Jamie, who tunes in every morning. So this is important. Defending champ. Do they trade away Sam Howell, CJ Stroud, and a 24 first for Justin Herbert in a super flex dynasty? So given you're the defending champion, I'm going to assume that this is a, that you're still contending. This is likely a late 2024 first. Um, if that's incorrect, this analysis changes, but assuming that's correct, absolutely no doubt about it. I'm doing this deal. CJ Stroud has looked awesome. I'm, I, I'm believing it. I think he's a very good player. He was my highest ranked passer in my film grade over the last three seasons. I really like CJ Stroud. He is not a Justin Herbert level player. He has not proven that at all. I still think the Texans are a bit of a mess. I'm doing this deal. No doubt because you are not losing much upside long-term. If it's an early first, that might flip my mind. But as long as this is a playoff team, I'm, I'm making that deal. Pair Trevor Lawrence with Justin Herbert. Um, and I, I think this is a good way to use your depth at the quarterback position to upgrade and get a true superstar. Yeah, I mean, with how much quarterback depth that Jamie has here, also having Trevor Lawrence, also having Jared Goff, right. Sam Howell and Stroud are probably never starting for you, at least in the capacity that Justin Herbert will. And I mean, the upside that Justin Herbert has and the Chargers offense, I know they haven't caught off to a great start, but I mean, like genuinely like quarterback one overall upside. So I'm doing one, one suggestion I'd have for Jamie. I mean, it might be difficult because it looks like this guy's that you're trading with is probably tanking, given who, what he's acquiring. But I would see if you could give up Jared Goff and maybe less than a first instead of giving up Sam Howell, because 
if you have Herbert and Lawrence as your starters, a guy like Jared Goff, who has no value upside, isn't doing that much for you because he's never starting. His value is not going to increase. He's kind of a risky asset at this point. Sam Howell is significantly cheaper. He does have value upside. Sam Howell is the type of guy I like rostering as my QB3 more than Goff, assuming I have two superstars. So I would see if you could swing that. I assume the other guy's not interested in Goff, but just an idea. No, I think that that's actually a great point because, I mean, yeah, you're not starting Goff and he's the highest valued, at least in terms of a seasonal perspective, out of all three of these quarterbacks. Stroud's probably getting up there right now after his great performance last week. But still, yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. Jamie, see what that package can be if you use Goff instead. All right, man. I think we've gotten a good questions. I know you have to get out of here. So tell the people where they can find you and what you're working on. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show again. Uh, find me on Twitter, Dynasty Zoltan FF. Check out my Patreon. Lots of great stuff going on there. I mentioned I'm updating my Dynasty rankings this week. Uh, every week, I'm giving you a waiver wire column, a buy and sell column. Check out the Dynasty Zoltan podcast, etc. cetera. Uh, also, have a website in the works. Really excited about this, building the website, learning some HTML. Uh, it's It's honestly been a lot of fun, and I am really excited about it because it'll make it a lot easier for all of y'all to to find my stuff and and really uh, hopefully get the most out of it. So check that out as well. It'll be coming in the next eh, five weeks or so. We'll see how the coding goes. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Congratulations on your project. I can't wait to see what it looks like. And guys, seriously, go follow him. Great, great content. And especially during rookie season. I mean, you do a great job scouting these guys coming out of college and do very, very detailed threads on this stuff. So like genuinely cannot recommend this guy enough. Uh, really, Thanks, really content out there. Appreciate that. Uh, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you, man. Genuinely, genuinely. <laughs> um, so, guys, thank you all for t- tuning in. This has been another great episode of the Wake and Take. I was Jason. That was Mike. You guys were a fantastic audience. I hope you have a fantastic Wednesday, a wonderful Wednesday, if you will. A wonderful rest of your week. Have a good one. Peace. <laughs>